1: 3-1, hammered, deep left, at the wall, God, He was due, and a three-run bomb for Nolan Arenado. Here
2: it is,
1: swing and
0: a high fly ball toward left center field and deep, at the track, at the wall,
1: Duvall has done it! Atlanta takes the lead! Goldschmidt, high fly ball, Solaire... He's there with the catch, Carpenter tagging up, throw comes back into the infield, we've got a brand new game, it's tied 4-4. Swing and a line drive, it
0: is down, a base hit! One run is in, Heredia streaking to third, they're gonna wave it, here he comes around third. And Atlanta gets two runs on a
1: line drive to right that didn't stick in the glove of Dylan Carlson. That was a big part of the game. The Cardinals, they fought. They were up 3-0 after the Nolan Arenado home run. Then it was tied 3-3. Then it went 4-3 in favor of the Braves. Cardinals then tied it up 4-4. And there you heard the voice of Chip Carey, who will be our guest coming up as the Braves took the lead with with three runs in that eighth inning off of Giovanni Gallegos. Welcome to the Danny Mac Show, Thursday edition. We've got Chip Carey coming up. Also, the mad Hungarian Al Roboski. I was talking about this, Tanner, um, on the crossover. Not many people, I don't think, heard the Ted Simmons speech in its entirety. And I'm just so excited that Ted is going in. He was one of my favorite players growing up. So he's going into the Hall of Fame, and the statue dedication was over uh, Saturday, uh, over the weekend. So you're going to hear that speech. It is a great speech from Ted Simmons. So I want to get Al talking uh, about... Teddy former teammate uh, great friends what that uh, means to him and others in that era that played with Ted as he goes to the Hall of Fame and then we'll preview uh, a look at uh, the game last night and a look ahead to tonight it's Wade LeBlanc and Tukey Toussaint and you can see that game on Valley Sports Midwest will come your way at 630 so the Cardinals jump out to that early lead three run shot from Nolan Arenado. after that the offense went silent until the Goldschmidt sack fly Nolan Arnato talked about not being able to generate some offense after that first inning.
3: Yeah, after that first inning, we didn't really t- um, tack on any more runs after that. You know, it's always great to score early and have the lead, but at the same time, when you're facing a good team like the Braves, you know, it probably doesn't affect them as much because um, there's just so much game left and they know it. And uh, we knew it too. And it's just, uh, so we knew we had to tack on, but. You know it's it's not really a killer it's just a good feeling to have a lead early but like I said there's just so much game left.
1: Jay Happ had a chance to win that game he left with uh, five innings under his belt in his Cardinals debut five innings five hits couple of earned uh, walked one struck out four in his first Cardinals start.
3: Uh, it was exciting for me um, a good amount of energy and I felt like in our dugout and in the in the stadium
1: you know good to get out of that first inning and, and try to settle in and, and get into some kind of groove there. Feel good about the first one here. And one of the things that he did, and I'm sure that we're going to see it with John Lester too, and we did see it the night before with three double plays turned. J Hop knows defense is pretty good more times than not behind him.
3: Yeah, knowing what kind of defense we have, you know, <clears throat> that certainly helps just allow you to try to execute and trust in, you know, the balls put in play that more often than not we're going to make plays and, and, and often make some some special plays too. So, you know, that um, combined with Yachty behind the plate
1: was something that i just really tried to have confidence in um in order to try to just go out there and and not try to do too much so he leaves the game the cardinals have a 3-2 lead heading into the sixth and st louis turns to ryan helsley now with runners on ryan helsley is just fantastic and statistically he has been that way with inherited runners for whatever reason though starting an inning Little different story. Gives up the lead. He surrenders a two run homer by Duvall, and the Cardinals then tie it back up in the seventh. And that's when it gets interesting. You go to the eighth inning and you're tied up. You got Giovanni Gallegos. I don't know about you, Tanner, but if you're telling me arrested Gallegos, rested Reyes, tie game in the eighth, you're at home. I'm going with the Cardinals. I thought that was, you know, you were set up to win that game. I really felt that way.
4: Once you tied that game in the seventh inning, it felt pretty confident that you're going to get that win. And you could tell early on, Gallegos just didn't have his best stuff. I think you mentioned it on the broadcast. Yeah, what was it? Five two or five, five straight, straight two strike counts, and he wasn't able to get those outs, and that's just not Giovanni Gallegos. Just an off night for him, and just an off night for the Cardinals in general. And
1: that's what I thought. You know, when he has two strikes on a hitter, more times than not, he's putting him away. The other thing, and I don't know if this stood out to you and some of our listeners as well, how long he was taking between pitches. So, at one point, when I, I guess it was at the the visit. He was at 22 minutes in that inning, and I think he was out there to get two outs. Took 25 minutes. That's not him. I mean, now, he's not a quick worker anyway. He's pretty deliberate, but last night was extremely deliberate. And, you know, a byproduct of that is that your defense gets back on their heels. Maybe that's what happened on the play with Dylan Carlson and Wright. Who knows? But... Um, it did tell me that I don't think anything was physically wrong with him, but maybe he didn't have a good feel for it. Hadn't pitched a lot recently after a guy that they've ridden pretty hard here in this season. So you could kind of see if he's not putting people away with two strikes and he's really deliberate between pitches and stepping off. He did that multiple times. Maybe something wasn't quite right.
4: Yeah, how slow he was working gave me the thought that he just didn't have the feel for something. I I thought his fastball looked good last night. Maybe it was the slider that he just didn't have the feel for. So, yeah, once he started working slow, and you mentioned it on the broadcast, I went, yeah, there's just something not right with Gallegos. I don't think it's a health issue. I think it was just he didn't have the feel for anything.
1: So he goes two-thirds of an inning, uh, three hits, gave up three runs. It's uh, something you don't normally see out of Giovanni Gallegos. Mike Schilt, what happened for the Cardinals last night?
2: I think it's two things. Yeah, I think that's part of it. You know, you jump out of three-run lead, nice stroke by Nolan, and then not able to add on. To your point, Derek, we scratch one uh, to tie it in the seventh with Carp. You know, nice hit, and had he played to steal a bag, and then Goldie with the sack fly, so we tie it back up. But, yeah, not being able to add on and just not being able to stop him late in the game. I don't
1: know about you. Um, someone said to me they felt that this was the most frustrating loss of the year. I wouldn't go that far. I'd probably put it in the top five because to that Cubs one. the Cubs one was mine as the toughest loss this season. But because of the things we talked about with a fresh Gallegos and a fresh Reyes and you're tied at home going into the eighth and the other factor with this, too, Tanner let's face it you have to win these games they're running out of time so that's where this becomes even more magnified like if this happens in April and May you go okay another game tomorrow but you have another game tomorrow it's tonight with LeBlanc and Toussaint however you're running out of time and they have to play roughly win two out of three, three out of four the rest of the way to have a, even a shot to get into the postseason.
4: Yeah, and now it puts more pressure on these upcoming series against Kansas City and Pittsburgh because we've talked about, well, you need to take two out of three, two out of three, two out of three. Well, now you almost have to make up for it and have a sweep somewhere along the line. Now, if you get swept today, then it becomes even tougher because you're right, they're running out of time and they have to start winning some of these ball games, and especially some of these close ones too, But the big three they have, once you get to them, they become must-win ballgames, and that's what it kind of felt like last night, and I'm with you. Probably top five most frustrating losses of the season.
1: Interesting that the Atlanta Braves, by the way, all seven of their runs, you could find that there was a player that they traded for that contributed to their runs. Whether it was Jock Peterson coming off the bench, they had the home run. You know, these are guys that they added. Solaire again, they added him. They were busy at the deadline. Steven Vogt with the sack fly to center on a, by the way, one-two pitch with the bases loaded. That turned the game around, too, because that put them up 5-4. And then Peterson added to that with two runs scoring. But all seven runs were guys that uh, came to their club, didn't start this season with them. And those additions are going to make a difference. I really think Atlanta, I'm not sure about the Mets anymore. They've, They've got a stretch of baseball looking at their schedule where I believe they they go out west and they've got the Dodgers and the Padres and maybe the Giants too. But it's like a a 12-14 game stretch, really tough, and it's kind of a soft spot in the schedule for the Braves. I don't know, man. I, I think Atlanta could be in this thing, and I'll also throw Philly in there. I'm not sure if it's going to be the Mets, especially with DeGrom on the shelf right now.
4: Yeah, DeGrom hurt, kills them. Their pitching's not been great of late. As you mentioned, the tough schedule the and Atlanta and Philadelphia schedule gets easy. I think the NL East is going to be the most fascinating race to watch coming down the stretch because I think it is legitimately a toss-up between those three teams. And you mentioned the Braves' acquisitions. The first two games of the series, six for twenty two homers, nine RBIs. They are killing the Cardinals.
1: Absolutely. So it was a frustrating loss that we're talking about. How about for Mike Shield?
2: Yeah, I mean, clearly, you know, you get the lead, you you know, you have the leader lead later and you know, the the big guy puts a swing on a baseball and you know flips the game, makes it makes it four to three, and then we scratch and call and you know, look, we got a guy that we love to death and um, has done a tremendous job for us for several years now in geo and they put together some tough at-bats, you know. I mean, uh, Raleigh, they hit the other way, Swans, Swanson, um, you know, this ball hits over the second baseman's head again, and, and then they scratched and called, and, you know, some, the tough at-bat by heredia gets the walk, and uh, after the punch out and then the the vote, you know, sack fly. But, you know, the tail of the game was not adding on to Derek's question earlier and not being able to close it down late.
1: That's it. Uh, that's it in a nutshell from manager Mike Schild. Coming up, we're going to visit with uh, Chip Carey. He is the voice of the Atlanta Braves. Hopefully we'll be able to hook up with him. We're going to try to get him. Uh, they're calling the games off of monitors. So he is down in Atlanta, and we'll catch up with Chip Carey also Later in the show, uh, Al Robotsky. Looking forward to visiting with Al and talking a little bit about what Ted Simmons, what it means to him, and just for the, the Cardinal fans to see one of our favorites going into baseball's Hall of Fame and listen to his speech as well. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. edition of the Danny Mac show on 101 ESPN let's go back to last night also look ahead to our next segment which includes a look back to the statue dedication for Ted Simmons and my guest no better guy to talk about this one of the best play-by-play men in baseball and that is Chip Carey who by the way grew up in St. Louis hey Chip great to visit with you this morning how you doing I'm doing great, Danny. Good to be with you. Well, Ted Simmons is coming up. You're going to hear his uh, encompassing his career in a statue dedication. You grew up in St. Louis. Uh, You grew up in that era. What does Ted Simmons mean to you?
0: He was my favorite player as a Cardinal. I was a, a fat, pudgy kid who grew up in, in Manchester and Baldwin, Missouri and played Little League baseball, and I absolutely adored Ted Simmons. Uh, I, I was a catcher in Little League baseball because of him. I wore 23 because of him, and he was just such an integral part of what the Cardinals were all about. Great hitter, uh, great signal caller. Uh, threw it, hit it better than just about anybody else in the history of the game, and I'm so happy for him that he's in the Hall of Fame. I'm so happy that his number's retired. He'll have a statue outside of Bush Stadium. And for a kid growing up in that era, watching Ted Simmons and Simba, as he was called at that time, it was a thrill of a lifetime watching him play the game. And to see him do this, uh, get all these honors, I guess, coming his way right now is a, a really, really wonderful thing.
1: You know, the thing I love about it is that he was not one iota bitter about not going into the hall of fame and then of all things it's analytics that show that he should be in the hall of fame now he's got uh, the 285 lifetime batting average you know what you start looking at runs batted in second most you start looking at some of the other things that he's done among catchers He's in the top five or the top ten. It's a shame it took so long, but I appreciate the fact that he wasn't bitter over the whole thing. So, really, is a celebration of Ted Simmons.
0: It is, and and uh, you know, I'm one that believes that the Hall of Fame should be representative of the guys that were great in the era in which they played. I'm all for analytics. I'm all for the numbers. And evaluating, uh, you know, how how guys stack up to their peers. But I think it's so dangerous in our game to compare eras. You know, would Babe Ruth be one of the greats in the game, seeing 98 miles an hour every night and seeing four different pitchers a game and cross-country travel and all that stuff? We don't know. And so the the great thing about our sport is that it evolves and, you know, guys like Ted Simmons who played in the era in which he played were great, great players then would probably be great players in any era of, of our sports, you know, and, and so yes, the analytics have helped, but you know, my, my grandfather always said, and I really agree with this, Dan, and I know listening to your broadcasts, you agree with this because you do it. If you don't know with the eye test who the best players on the field are, you should be doing something else. And it was clear that when you saw Ted Simmons play, when you saw Ted Simmons handle a pitching staff, when you saw Ted Simmons frame, when you saw Ted Simmons block a, a, a guy trying to score from third base, you knew he was one of the best players on the field. I don't need an algorithm to tell me that. And I'm not disrespecting analytics people in any way, shape, or form it as its place in the game. When you watched Ted Simmons play, switch hitter, power, average, caught every day in the heat of St. Louis, handled a staff, handled a bullpen, you knew that this guy was destined for greatness and and I'm I'm just so happy for him because I've known him on a personal level. I'm just so happy for him that he's getting his due while he's still with us and he can enjoy this moment and he can sign baseballs and say Ted Simmons HOF because The guys that don't get to do that, I think it's a real-world tragedy in the game.
1: There's no doubt about it. Chip Carey is our guest, the uh, outstanding play-by-play voice of the Atlanta Braves. Now, let's go back to last night, Game 2, Braves-Cardinals. I I guess it's fair to say that some of the moves that the Braves have made without Ozuna, without Acuna, uh, those moves have paid off, and they paid off in a big way last night
0: the new guys uh, contributed for Atlanta. Every single RBI was from a guy that wasn't on the opening day roster. That was pretty remarkable. Uh, Look, let's face it. The Braves are without their number one hitter, Acuna. He blew his knee out in Miami. He's done for the year. He'll be back sometime next season. They're without Marcelo Zuna, who's out with broken fingers. He's not suspended. I would assume that at some point we'll get some resolution as to his status. That's a big loss. They've been without their number four hitter, Travis Darnot, who's rehabbing now and could be back in a couple of weeks. Uh, It's also safe to say, Dan, that for about two months, this team really floundered along and was waiting for some kind of injection of offense. Because for a while, it was really Freddie Freeman, Ozzie Albies, and Austin Riley that were the only guys doing anything offensively. And if you got to the eighth or ninth inning and the lineup card had gone past the fifth spot, the Braves were in trouble. You saw last night lengthening the lineup, deepening the lineup, the the power potential that exists really makes our lineup a lot better than it's been in quite some time. Look, nobody's going to replace Ronald Acuna Jr. It's just not going to happen. But if guys can elevate their game consistently one through eight, they can sort of make up for it, if you will. And that's meant with no disrespect to Ronald. This is a deeper, better lineup than the Braves had at, just as recently as two weeks ago. And I think getting those guys and Richard Rodriguez uh, from the Pirates uh, gives uh, Braves fans hope that being two and a half games behind the Mets, they can make a run at this thing and get back into postseason play. And as I think you would agree, the other way that uh, that's going to happen is if the Braves uh, win the division.
1: How do you look at uh, getting the postseason play? Is it is it through New York? Is it through Philly? How, how do the, the Braves and their brass kind of look at – the, the schedule that's left and trying to get through it in the dog days and and getting into postseason play. We, and I'll ask you specifically, too, what do you think? What do, what's the best way for the yeah, Braves to I, I, it's,
0: it's a great question. Yeah, we're, 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 we're done with the Phillies and Mets until the final week of the season, and we play both of those clubs in Atlanta, which I think will be a big advantage. Uh, starting on or about August 13th, the Braves have a stretch of games with the Nationals, the Orioles, and the Marlins. During that time, the Mets are playing the Dodgers and Giants in in back-to-back series, home and road. I I think we're going to see the Mets fall back a bit because they're without DeGrom. Their pitching's been okay. You know, They're without J.D. Davis, who hasn't done an awful lot for them at third base. They've been injured all year. The team that, I don't want to say worries me, but I think the team that's got a chance to really make a run is the Phillies. Uh, If they can get their bullpen straightened out with that lineup, with that offense, they've got a chance. That said, I really believe that both the Mets and the Phillies are going to look back and say, we had a chance to bury the Braves and we didn't do it. And I think if you look realistically at our lineup and our offense and our our, uh, uh, starting pitching rotation, Morton, Freed, Smiley, Toussaint, Muller Ian Anderson is going to come back from the injured list the Braves have a lot of options if they want to they can go to a six-man rotation and the bullpen's better so I think the Braves have a huge pitching advantage and I think that's going to be the key to winning the East and I think the Braves have a leg up on
1: those other clubs tell us about the pitcher tonight Tukey Toussaint he, he had a real rough outing
0: his last time out couldn't command anything He's a big kid. We got him from the Arizona Diamondbacks, essentially bought him from Arizona because they took on Bronson Arroyo's deal a couple of years ago. Big kid from South Florida, idolized Jose Fernandez, developed a very close uh, relationship and friendship with him before he passed away. Uh, Jose Fernandez said, look, you know, you're the kind of guy that we need to pass the torch to. Tukey's got a big fastball, big curveball, big split finger. Uh, He has learned kind of like Kyle Muller for the Braves that you don't have to throw 98 max effort with every pitch he is pitching his last two starts at triple a before they brought him up his first two starts at the major league level were very good he's a strikeout guy works fast is learning how to pitch very big big hands big extension the ball really rides his fingertips and uh, can give hitters trouble he's a great kid from south florida we like him a lot and uh, we need him to rebound and, and solidify the staff that's without Ian Anderson right now. And I think if he's on his game, the Cardinals will have their hands full.
1: Dansby Swanson, uh, former number one overall pick, four hits last night. Are we finally seeing him come into his own?
0: Yeah, I think so. Look, Dansby in the first part of the year, I think was kind of in between. He was a guy that wanted to hit home runs and, and couldn't make contact. I mean, this guy has struck out 115 times. It's way too many for a kid of his talent. But when he uses the big part of the field, like you saw in game two in St. Louis, he's a very, very dangerous player. Alex Bregman has a chip on his shoulder. He was the number two pick in the draft with Houston. He wears number two for that reason. But Dansby's kind of a poor man's Derek Jeter in that, and I say this respectfully of him, he knows how to win. He's a heady player. He'll throw behind runners. He makes all the defensive plays. Dansby Swanson had like a 47, 48 game stretch without an error at shortstop. Think about that. That's a really, really valuable thing to have. Uh, He positions well, he knows how to play. And when he uses the right center field gap and then turns on balls that are pitched inside, he's got a chance to be very, very dangerous at the plate. So yeah, I think you're right, Dan. That's a good call. He's, He's coming into his own. He's getting more comfortable in his skin, and he's played the whole year to this point, which he hasn't done before. So 2021 is a very important season for him, and so far he's come through in in grand fashion.
1: Chip Carey, the outstanding play-by-play voice of the Braves, is our guest. And, you know, I kind of looked going into this series that these two teams, in a way, were mirror images of each other, hovering around 500, dealing with big losses in terms of uh, the everyday lineup that they could put out there. Obviously, the bullpen has been a struggle for both uh, both teams. Do you feel that uh, finally that the Braves have kind of settled in and – you know what, you can make this run with Richard Rodriguez and some of the others that have stepped up.
0: Yeah, I agree. You know, to, to quote the great Christopher Columbus, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And I think uh, the Braves feel like they have a chance. You know, make noise in the uh, National League East. Uh, they, they made the right additions at the right time. And let's not forget, they're going to get Travis Darno back. That's probably within the next couple of weeks. And they're going to get a Noah back. I know Cardinal fans may not know much about him, but he was on an all-star game trajectory before he broke his hand Uh, slamming his pitching hand against the bench in Milwaukee uh, in in May. I think this team has a chance to be dangerous. Are they as deep as the Dodgers? No, nobody is. I mean, the Dodgers have an unlimited payroll. They can do whatever they want to do. But I think the Braves have been there before. They're battle-tested. They know what it takes to win the division. And sometimes you have a season where you really have to go through minefields and speed bumps or whatever you want to call them, potholes in the road. To get to where you want to go. But at the end of the day, if you get there, you're already going to be battle tested. So uh, look, any team that has Freddie Freeman on it, I like it awful lot. He's swinging the bat exceptionally well. Any team that's managed by Brian Snicker, who's held this thing together through all of this adversity, I like an awful lot. And like I said, I'm not saying the Braves are going to win the World Series, but they're, uh, they don't always win, but they're going to give you a finish, and I think they've got a good finish in them over the last uh,
1: two months. Chip, final question. Uh, Freddie Freeman is a free agent-to-be after this year. Have there been overtures on both sides to, to come to a – a deal and keep him in Atlanta. What's the latest with Freddie Freeman?
0: Well, Alex Anthopoulos, our GM, keeps things very close to the vest. I think Alex is a secret NSA agent, so he's uh, <laughs> everything's top secret with him, which is fine. That's his prerogative. He has said very clearly he wants the player, and he has said that the player wants Atlanta. There have been no talks on Freddie Freeman. There has been no discussion of a contract during the season. Freddie Freeman has said, I don't deal with distractions very well, and that's certainly his prerogative. My concern is that if the Braves don't play well over the final two months, then you worry about, you know, where is he going to go? Because I think Freddie Freeman could write his ticket and go to any major league team, and they'd love to have him. But I can't imagine Freddie Freeman not being an Atlanta Brave. He values playing uh, with one team his entire career, much like Chipper Jones. And, uh, look, he's one of my favorite players. He's a good person. He's a great dad, great husband. And he's the kind of guy you build around. And I think the Braves know that. So I'm optimistic that they'll get a deal done. And Hopefully, he'll win not just uh, more MVPs, but a World Series championship, too.
1: All right. We're going to bet a Ted Drews tonight. Uh, do the Braves get a sweep, or do the Cardinals uh, pick up a game in this series?
0: We're going to sweep you guys. I mean, Is God, that right? I mean, I, uh, yeah, I'm a homer. I, I, I'm not afraid to, to admit that. Pride of Parkland West, we're not afraid to, to go out on a limb. Yeah, he's going uh, to <laughs> pitch a great game. And uh, the Braves are on a roll. Look. We popped the champagne uh, last night. The Braves had their first winning streak since the All-Star break. They'd alternated wins and losses over the previous 17 games, which was like a 1 in 65,000 to 1 uh, chance that that could happen if you flipped a coin and and got heads or tails on different flips. So, uh, look, the Braves were waiting for their first roll. I think uh, they're about to go on it. They know the importance of this stretch of games. And, look, uh, last year, as we said, it was a 60-game sprint to the end. And the Braves won the East. They know what that sprint's like. And I think they're getting the right guys back at the right time. So, uh, with all due respect to my brethren in St. Louis, who I love dearly, I hope we uh, we finish you guys off uh, in game three of the series.
1: You know what I think of you, one of the best in the business and one of the great people in our business as well, Chip Carey, the voice of the Atlanta Braves. And thanks for doing this, Chip, and I'm sure we'll talk today.
0: Danny, look forward to it. Uh, the folks in St. Louis are lucky to have you. You're the best and you're a dear friend. I love you very much. Thanks so much for having me on.
1: Thanks, buddy. Feel the same way. That's Chip Carey, voice of the Atlanta Braves, coming up next. Hear from Al Rabosky about his former teammate and great friend, Ted Simmons. Also, Teddy, his statue was dedicated over the weekend, and you'll hear that as well. This is 101 ESPN. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. welcome back to the show it's a Thursday edition of the Danny Mac show on 101 ESPN now this past weekend hopefully you enjoyed the visit by the way with uh, chip Carey the voice of the Atlanta Braves um, this past weekend it, it's always a privilege to be able to MC some of the bigger events that the Cardinals have and none bigger that we've had this year than what took place over the weekend which was the Ted Simmons statue dedication you probably heard Mike Schilt in his post-game and the also the the last couple of days referred to the Simmons speech. I want you to hear that in its entirety. It's a short speech, but man, it's poignant about dreaming big. And it was a great speech that he had. And then I'm gonna bring in Al Rabosky. His teammate uh, in the 70s and those two great friends, battery mates, and uh, two guys that know each other so well. And so many people that were either teammates uh, of Ted Simmons or were around the ball club at that time are just so excited to see him get his just due. It took a long time to get into the Hall of Fame, but uh, he's finally going in. And he's done it without being bitter. He's not mad uh, he's just excited to go into the Hall of Fame. It's awesome to see uh, one of my favorite players growing up, Ted Simmons, headed to the Hall of Fame. So sit back and enjoy a little bit of the speech, and then we'll bring in Al Rabowski and talk about the career of uh, Teddy Simmons and what this means to his teammates and what he thinks it may mean to to Teddy. But on Saturday, the speech started with him uh, thanking the ownership group of the St. Louis Cardinals.
3: Bill, I thank you the DeWitt family, and the entire Cardinal organization for making this weekend possible for my family and myself. I will always be grateful. To Cardinal Nation, I want to thank you for three things. Remembering my career, putting me in this red jacket, and providing the momentum that allows me five weeks from now to finally walk through the doors in Cooperstown. (laughs) We all know the stories of little boys who dream of becoming major league players. Those little boys dream of being an all-star, playing in the seventh game of the World Series of being elected to the National Baseball Hall of Fame. They dream of their hometown retiring their uniform number and they dream of a statue placed here next to all these great players. Of course, this grown man was just such a little boy. He's lived a charmed life all of his dreams came true. So he asks you, no matter who you are or how old you are, to dream. Dream your biggest dreams. They will sustain you. They will enrich your life. And the pursuit will be worth the chase, no matter how long it takes. Even if it takes a lifetime, it will be well worth the wait. Thank you so much, and thank you all for coming today. I hope to see you at the ballgame tonight. Go Cardinals. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.
1: It was a great speech, and that was this past weekend. Ted Simmons and his statue dedication. Welcome back to the show on 101 ESPN and let's bring in his good friend and teammate Al Roboski. Hey Al, how you doing?
5: I'm doing great, but uh, not as good as Teddy But and we're so happy for him. Yeah, well deserved. I thought that I uh, lost a lot of respect for the Writers Association when he was taken off the first ballot uh, because he was as pure a hitter as there was in the 70s and just an outstanding RBI man and Iron man like Molina you know he's out there every single day 150 uh, games a season and playing on the turf uh, you know there were times where he did get tired and and still he was in that lineup every day.
1: Let's start with this what what does it mean to you to see this happen to a former teammate and a great friend in Ted Simmons what's it mean to you to see this?
5: Well I mean it means an awful lot because uh, he was a teammate and yet and one side, it's a little frustrating because you think about, okay, we got Gibson, we got Brock, we got Simmons. Now, there's three Hall of Famers, and why didn't we win? Well, there's nine guys on the field, and we, uh, at times, didn't have the the talent to go out there. Um, it, it was kind of a situation there where the brewery, all they concerned about it, getting two million uh, fans in the seats. And I had the great respect for Bing Devine, but it just seemed like he would, He would make a trade, and if that guy didn't pan, or we didn't win that year, he'd trade the guy back. And a couple times, we felt like if he would have left Reggie Smith with us longer, if he would have done this or done that, uh, we thought we we could have uh, been a winning team. But there was so much parity in the National League East at that time.
1: How would you describe Ted Simmons as a player? Uh, What kind of player was he?
5: Hard nosed. He would he would fight you tooth and nail. You know, I mean, here's Simba. You know, the long flowing mane. Um, but as I said, he was a, a line-drive hitter, um, a great clutch hitter, RBI machine, but he was just, uh, he didn't have any foot speed, but I think in 75 was you know his best year. And he hit like 333 from the left side and 332 from the right side. It might have those turned around, but that's the kind of hitter he was. And uh, I, I would have to think, I never faced him because when I was in the American League, he was still in the National League. And then when I came back to, National League he was in the American League but uh, that would that would have been a great a great challenge and, and something you know that I probably would have enjoyed but uh, maybe not the results Was it frustrating
1: for you guys to see him not get his just due um, you knew him so well he played hard but it just took so long was that frustrating
5: Well I think uh, that is the case because we knew what a great player he was uh, you know he had the longevity he had the career numbers when you think about you know second all time in hits and RBIs as a catcher, and you're not in the Hall of Fame, You know how do, how do you justify that? And I know there were critics that said his defense um, wasn't the best, but I can tell you this, if I was on the mound, there's only one guy I wanted catching me, and that was Ted. He could motivate me, but his bat was going to win the game for us.
1: You look at the numbers in the heat of St. Louis, the, the games played over 150 in a season. Uh, his longevity was just amazing. Was it... Uh, Amazing to watch for you. I mean, it had to be pretty amazing, wasn't it?
5: Yeah, it is uh, I, I remember when Dave Duncan came over here um, And we were talking about the heat of, of of St. Louis at times we said well, you know, how do we play on turf and we came to the conclusion? We had no other choice, but uh, you know, we didn't have You know Gatorade wasn't invented. You know some of these guys get now IVs in between games uh, we didn't have any of the, those things and and that turf could get up to 140 degrees on a on a Sunday, you know, July or August day. So it it, it was a different situation. But uh, you know, as I said, Ted Ted was back there. He might have had dirt, you know, but he was uh, at home plate. But you know, he could wither stand uh, withstand anything, and he was going to be ready to play every day. Um, you know, his. His backup was much like Molina's.
1: Finally, Al, what do you think this uh, means to Ted Simmons?
5: Well, I think Bruce Sutter, Bruce Sutter, you know, said it best. He goes, you know, um, you know, this this honor going into the Hall of Fame. He says it isn't going to change him, but it's going to change his life. And you know, Teddy was was very gracious, and and he had to be disappointed when he was taken off the ballot. And like I said, that was the biggest injustice that I can see. Um, but you know, he. Was hopeful, and it's interesting now that you know he gets in here because of the modern uh, terminology of baseball. That all of a sudden they took another look at him and realized that he truly is a Hall of Famer.
1: Thanks, Al. Great to see you.
5: You too, Danny Mac. That's Al
1: Roboski, and he'll join me this weekend on my show on Channel Two at ten thirty, and we'll have a closer look at Ted Simmons in his career, and also another Hall of Famer, and that'll be a look at Isaac Bruce, and that will be this weekend on Fox Channel Two. You're listening to The Danny Mac Show. It is the Thursday edition. The Cardinals and the Braves will wrap up their series tonight. Kansas City is in town tomorrow, and we'll have more in just a moment on 101 ESPN. This is The Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Alex Ferrario is in. BK is out. He'll be back with us on Tuesday. And uh, Alex, you have three hours of Radio Gold on this Friday coming up.
2: Dan, it's just three hours, another day in paradise. We got the wonderful Katie Wu in awesome. studio. Lou Korak stopping by. And then T-Bone's going to hold down the fort with me from mm.
4: one to two. You know what the our guy did? wonderful B- T-Bone. You forgot the wonderful No, there. We, we, we didn't put that on there yet. Maybe next week. How Dan, weird, you, know what,
2: you know what our guy BK did to us today? What? He sent T-Bone and I a text message and it was a picture of the beach and all it said was have fun boys yeah
4: like seven in the morning too
1: what a jerk why is he up at seven in the morning he's (laughs) on vacation
4: well i think it's eight eastern but even then that's still even still vacation i don't wake up till like
1: 8 p.m
4: well hey he totally bko'd that whole area yesterday (laughs) i said (laughs) on the show he's gonna show up and it's gonna start raining literally an hour after i say that we get a text (laughs) guys it's raining it rained all all day
1: yesterday i hope it rains all week i hope it rains all week on him too Send me a text message of a beach. But we're going to have more fun than BK ever will this week, because Katie's in studio today. All right, boys. Have a great uh, weekend. A reminder that our show, uh, the 10 o'clock show tomorrow, will be pushed back. Or, well, matter of fact, it won't even exist. Because... (laughs) Uh, Carricker and Smallman are in Canton, Ohio. So they're going to cover Isaac Bruce going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. All kinds of special guests uh, for them from 7 to 11. So next time I talk to you will be on Monday. Everybody have a great weekend. And reminder, it's uh, baseball tonight on Valley Sports at 6.30. Wade LeBlanc, another lefty, going against Tukey Toussaint. And we'll see you on the television tonight on Bally Sports at 6.30. You've been listening to The Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise.
3: Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors.
4: We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season.
3: You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial.